Welcome back to the Sports Roundtable podcast where we talk all things Michigan State athletics. I'm your former host, Nick Lundberg, filling in for Bella Johnson. It's good to be back. Um, I was the host last semester, but Bella's been filling in, or Bella's has been the host this year, but it's good to be back for her this week. And we have a familiar face coming back in Alex Faber, who recently just got done with the men's basketball beat for the state news. And I believe you were the first one on my podcast when I first started earlier two semesters ago so it was, I think so I think we were talking some football some Spartans football yeah and we'll be we'll be mentioning some spring football but it's good to be back Alex and you know let's just jump right into what's been going on all around all around the MSU athletics scene we can start with um, baseball which has been um, getting off to a decent start this season they recently just beat Western Michigan to sweep their um, First two games of the year, they beat them nine to eight, and they're now fourteen and ten on the season. Um, they recently just got off to a good start in the Big Ten after taking uh, their opening series against Purdue two one. They lost their first game on last Friday, but then they uh, swept their doubleheader on Sunday to give them the series win. And they've had some couple players this year making some noise at the plate, and especially in the Purdue series, and Brock Vredenberg, Sam Bush, and and that will be helpful on Mitch Jeb. And for Alex, I mean, this team, not very high expectations this year, especially after last year. Um, after I was at the games on Sunday, I was talking to the coaches, and they were treating this year as more of a way to kind of, you know, make up for what happened last year. But, I mean, the, the pitching going forward, like the pitching this year has been, you know, shaky, but at least we've been able to see some high-scoring games um, from because the lineup has been you know raking pretty pretty early this year. Yeah, if you're if you're gonna be uh, mediocre or bad, uh, at least at least give me some entertaining games. And and if we're getting hitting and bad pitching, I guess that's a combination or a formula for some entertaining baseball. Yeah, exactly. And it's always fun to see high scoring games in baseball. And it, some of the especially Big Ten baseball can tend mm-hmm. to drag on really you know very slowly compared to like SEC baseball or the upper echelon of, of different conferences. But, I mean, this team so far this year has had some notable wins. They beat, obviously, any time a team at MSU beats Michigan in something, it's very important. And they got that done very early this season. Um, and, I mean, they've been solid so far, but as always, the Big Ten in any, co- in any sport is deep. Um, they've definitely got some tough teams. And it's still a very early season, um, so there's a lot to – uh, be seen down the road but for now compared to last season um, it's been a pretty decent start and one that you know can hopeful for the rest of the year especially for this type of program where we've seen Alan Haller since he's come in kind of clean house with all of these programs mm-hmm. like you saw which we're going to talk about softball um, they got rid of their coach obviously we'll talk about hockey and Nightingale and then uh, men's tennis even though that was kind of a different situation um, with the coach but um, and now you've got a guy in like Jake Boss who's kind of stuck in the middle. He's been here for a while. He's done some things, but as of late, he's kind of been stagnant. And you know, after um, this is kind of, I feel like, as from a from an outside perspective, this is kind of like a make or break season for them because you've seen that all these coaches are on the chopping block, and then you've come to Boss who's been kind of like, and then we saw you know Susie Merchant stepping down. Obviously, not all because of performance wise there were health issues there but she's also was kind of in that same boat as where Jake Boss is right now and I mean you know it seems like Alan Haller is really trying to take all of these programs to the next step and at this point it's kind of like Jake Boss is coaching for the 
you know, next year and not 10 years from now. Yeah, it definitely seems like a year where we can't just see some slight development and see some guy like we definitely got to see some wins add up in the column. Um, maybe obviously coming up up top of, uh, the, in the Big Ten isn't necessarily always the goal, but at least competing late in the season. That's that's something you kind of need to see. Yeah, exactly. And then moving over to their baseball's neighbors at uh, Sekia, the softball team, they've got they're kind of in a building year right now as they just hired a new coach and. Sharonda, and um, they're ten and fourteen this year. They lost um, their first series, their first conference series to Wisconsin. Um, they only won one of the three games, and they've played had a lot of rough games this season. And you know, they're obviously with every team that brings in a new coach and a new staff, there's going to be some changes. But they've kept players like Ashley Miller around, who you know were really solid last year. And I mean, this team never at least in my time here and our time here, really hasn't made any waves on this campus. But um, when I, whenever I go around, especially when I was at their game last week against one of their games against Wisconsin, I just noticed that the energy was a little bit different, um, especially from the coach, because um, you want, when you're that type of team where like you're not very notable on campus and you're trying to get people to you know come out and support you, um, you got you have to bring some sort of energy, and I feel like whenever I talk to Sharonda, the head coach, um, she's definitely you know very into it, and like she's all about her program, her team, her players, and it's just nice to see that you know this team, even though results might show for it, might not show for it right now, that they're kind of heading in the right right direction, even though it's very early to tell. Yeah, not not going to be quite the same thing as as baseball at all like I don't think it really matters what the record is this season as long as it's not disastrous it's it's all about development and, and building a culture there exactly yeah we've seen a lot of that with other teams as well and then another team that has recently hired um, a new head coach as well is the men's tennis team and they brought in a former player in Harry Jadoon after you know very uh, very well well respected coach in Gene Orlando stepped down last year um, so far this season, they aren't doing too hot as they're six and nine and zero and two in Big Ten play. Um, they actually are playing. They played U of M today. Um, so let's see how they fared against them. Saw this earlier, but they lost one to six to U of M. So they're officially zero and three in conference play now. But um, so the season hasn't gotten off to a great start, but kind of a similar scenario as softball. Um, maybe some more higher talent compared to what the softball team has because they did bring in one of the best players in the country mm-hmm. in Ozan Barris, who um, in this season is already our best player, uh, which speaks volumes to how good Barris is. But the team, you know, as of late, uh, is just kind of starting to make its – you know, waves and tennis recruiting rankings. Um, but kind of like softball, you know, with a new coach and kind of just taking over a program that's not, you know, the biggest thing on campus. Um, they just want, you know, more energy, more people to show up. And, I mean, winning winning games like these, obviously right now the Big Ten is super tough in tennis. Like their next – all of these games, they're, they're playing against ranked teams. Like half the conference seems to be in the top 100 teams in the, in the nation. And – I mean, obviously, you're not going to, as a first-year coach in a new program, you're not going to see those results right away, like we were saying with softball. But it is good that in some of these, you can see that they've been, you know, keeping competitive. 
Yeah, again, that's with first-year coach. I know the, the recruitment got people really excited with that, that top prospect, but still got to be a little patient with the program. Yeah. And then um, moving over to the women's side of things, uh, women's tennis team is 8-8, eight and eight, um, and they're also facing a ton of stacked Big Ten teams. Um, they'll face number 34, Illinois, on Friday at 5, and so far they're 1-4 in Big Ten play. And all of those losses coming against ranked teams, so it just seems like it's just a gauntlet. Whenever, whatever uh, sport you play in the Big Ten, you're going to face some some very tough opponents. So, um, still a little early with that with their season to tell how they'll be going, especially playing all of these ranked opponents in a row. So that's ob- that's obviously got to be a challenge for any team. So um, a little early to determine how their season will fare, but. Uh, moving on to the postseason in another sport, and gymnastics is still going on. Um, they are entering the second round of the NCAA regionals, and after just a crazy year of success, they're one of the teams like that are kind of in the echelon of softball, women's tennis, tennis, that area. Um, they've made a ton of noise after this season, after winning the Big Ten Championship, beating U of M, who's always in the top, um, and then building, you know, obviously last year they were pretty successful. Um, but now this year they've just taken it to an insanely different level. Yeah, um, our beat writer, uh, Bella, just put out some great stories about them. It's, but they've got a lot of fun players on this team. Um, that's, that's a really fun it's, – it's fun to see as um, gymnastics as a whole is growing, like around the nation. It's fun to see MSU growing as well with it. It's just, it's just nice to see. Yeah, Bella, if, for everyone out there listening, check out Bella's new piece on Nikki Smith, who I believe is one of the top freshmen in mm-hmm. the country. And there's just a lot of – a lot of things to be excited about at Jenison and in the gymnastics program with all, everything that Coach Rowe is doing. Um, but moving on to hockey now, um, the after a very, very, you know, successful season, even though, like, some people were could be upset with how things ended but it, against Minnesota, but looking at Minnesota and who they are, it's kind mm-hmm. of expected with looking at who we are from, from you know, ever, from a, the right perspective. But this, you've seen in the transfer portal, now that the season's over, you're adding guys like for former or first-round pick Isaac Howard, uh, fourth-round pick Red Savage from the Red Wings, and then Reed Lebster, who was from a solid program in UMass. And you're losing guys like Jesse Tucker, who had, you know, like a good freshman season, but last year wasn't, you know, the best. And then you have Zach Dubinsky, who was solid, but not, you know, none of these guys they're losing compared to the guys who are adding. It just feels like the talent – it's just much different when it comes to when you're looking at the guys they're bringing in versus the guys they're losing. Yeah, that was definitely a, that. This is a positive shift in the roster. Um, you mentioned Jesse Tucker. He was the only one whose name I was a little bit surprised about seeing um, just because his freshman year he was really excellent um, under uh, Dan Cole's last season. But he just didn't really seem to click as much with the, new, with the uh, new coaching staff, which is odd considering how the rest of the team did. So I'm not too surprised there. It's not like he transferred to a really high-tier program. It's over in Clarkston, no disrespect, but, you know, it's not Big Ten hockey. Um, and then the rest of the guys there, I'm not sure where they're going to end up, but it's probably not going to be in the Big Ten. Um, again, no hate towards those guys. They, they filled the role, and they did what they needed to do, but this is get, about getting better. Um, and Red Savage, um, he he isn't any crazy kind of player, but he, he's, he's a solid player. Um, the one I'm really excited about there is that uh, Howard, uh, first-round pick of the Lightning, um, he comes from a uh, Minnesota Duluth program that's really stacked. Um, he got six goals and 11 assists in 35 games this year. And, again, that's with a pretty darn good uh, Minnesota Duluth game or, uh, team. So 
yeah, this this was about getting better this season. Um, and then you added a little bit of experience with the guy from UMass, um, uh, Lepster, because he had ties with uh, DeMichael. So this team got a whole lot better, and I, I'm really excited to see the jump in uh, his this next season because from last year with Dan Cole to this year already we've just seen such growth and now you see more roster turnover uh he's going to get more of his guys this offseason I don't I'm really excited about the trajectory of this program yeah especially with all their top recruits coming in we've got a lot of you know (coughs) guys who are being looked at by NHL teams in the high school ranks right now or the you know amateur kind of ranks um because you know hockey is a little bit different than um, what we're used to in football and basketball but um just this team, like, just looking at the talent perspective coming in from what Denton Cole had, and then you bring in <coughs> all of these new players, and they all seem to mesh really well because last year didn't really seem like a – there wasn't a single star player. I mean, obviously you can say, like, on offense at least, like Dylan St. Cyr was a very solid goalie. But um, in terms of star power, this team wasn't really – it's kind of seemed like they beat you using – as a collective, and just exactly, and then just adding like you're bringing back Nico Mueller, which is a huge um, guy to bring back. You're losing some like other veterans like Jagger, Joshua, and Cole Krieger, and guys like that. But bringing in this type of talent and Howard and do and Savage and Lebster just shows that you know Nightingale, he was known, he was brought here to, as a recruiter, like he was known as a develop a developer and recruiter, and just to see the type of players he's bringing in, the type of names. It's just is a very good sign, I think, for the future of yeah. this program. Yeah, I, I'm really excited. Um, and then moving on to spring football, obviously you were on the football beat um, last year, so you know much about what's going on right now. And uh, I've been covering a, a couple of the practices and been talking to some guys. And a, a one thing I really noticed, and that was obviously very – everyone noticed last year was that they've been talking about – They've been practicing healthier, so mm-hmm. they've been because injuries were a very big deal last year. Um, they kind of decimated the whole season, and they've been um, after the spring game. We saw last the last year's spring game in quotation marks as it was kind of more just like a practice because they barely had any bodies back then. But now I feel like even though they're kind of just going to stick to the same model in a couple weeks when the spring the spring kickoff they're calling it comes along, um, they're definitely going to be you know have more bodies and. I'm I'm glad that they're I mean it's hard not to see that was an issue last year but I'm glad they're kind of taking the precaution this team is taking precautions for their players to be you know ready to go by the fall. Yeah, I think one of the biggest things that stuck out to me um just I I don't think I've personally been to any of the uh practices yet but just listening to the audio I've gotten from from and and read the stories um JD JD Duplain I think it was him he said something about how you know last year they were playing like seven guys deep in the offensive line, and and, and that was even stretching it. Um, and and him and a lot of the other coaching staff talked about, especially without offensive line, is they they finally have depth. You know, it's five versus five. You have some guys to step in and play. And we saw during the regular season, the offensive line was one of the greatest weaknesses of this team. And I think that stems from that health in spring football. So it's already a good sign to see that heading into the year, it's going to be a little bit healthier. Obviously, plenty of months to go, but it's like you said, it's good to see that the coaching staff and the players are taking this health thing seriously because that was an issue last year. And another thing is that's, you know, feels like constant talking point when we're talking about the team is the defensive backs and how they struggle in pass defense. And um, during the practice today, we were allowed to talk to 
uh, the new cornerbacks coach and Jim Salgado, former Buffalo Bills coach. And um, they made Jane Mangum, Dylan Tatum, Caleb Cooley available, and Malik Spencer, Some a lot of the younger guys in the secondary that are going to be taking over for guys like Xavier Henderson, Ronald Williams, uh, guys like that. So it was good to see that um, that's definitely, even though there's a lot of changing things going on, getting to talk to them. Um, obviously, last year Mangum and Tatum had to step in for injuries, and um, getting to know that they have learned from that experience and that they're more comfortable going into this year um, makes it feel like that maybe there might be some sort of a change, but you know, obviously we haven't seen a lot from them yet, but there's still some guys that are sticking around like Angelo Gross and players like that who are, you know, not not uh, new to the program and they know what's expected. So it'll be interesting this year to see how um, they play, if they can stay healthy compared to last year. Yeah, the, the loss of Xavier Henderson is, is going to be pretty scary, to be honest, because, I mean, even last year you saw the, the drop in the defensive performance when he wasn't on the field. That dude is not just a good player. He's a good communicator. Um, and, and I'm not sure the coaching staff last year uh, did a great job at, at fulfilling that. Um, so with an offseason to kind of get those guys to that, that I want to see if they can get them to that level. Uh, you mentioned Mangum. Uh, he's a guy who could take a really big step. He was decent. He was solid as a freshman stepping in, kind of thrust into that role. Um, he's a guy who could really step up and make a name for himself on the, on the defense this year. So a lot of young guys. Uh, which is simultaneously terrifying, uh, but it's also it's also exciting because they already have experience under the belt. That you know that's kind of the the blessing and the curse of a bad season is you get a lot a lot of young players get kind of thrown to the fire, but sometimes you know that that makes them stronger, and, and that's what I'm excited to see. And I feel like at this point now it's where, you know, guys like Tatum and Mangum were recruited as four stars coming in. They were these are guys who D'Antonio might not have gone for just because. You know, D'Antonio loved those, you know, Ohio three stars and <laughs> that kind of stuff. But, you know, T Tucker's been going for the higher-rated recruits, and these guys like Tatum and Mangum, it's now we're at the point in Tucker's um, career here at MSU where, you know, these guys have to start, you know, stepping up that we to do what we recruited them to come mm -hmm. here for. And, I mean, it was good experience specifically for Tatum and Mangum to get out there and have that. But you kind of want to see that, you know, starting throughout the roster – more throughout the roster as guys, you know, guys from the D'Antonio area to continue to depart, and then they were start to rely less and less on the transfer portal and more and more in the recruiting rank mm -hmm. in the recruiting ranks. So it'll be interesting to see um, how big of a factor those younger guys, um, even though we know that they'll have to play a big factor in the secondary, maybe more so spread throughout the team, how they'll fare. Um, but last but not least, the men's basketball season recently ended against Kansas State in the Sweet 16 and you were there and you know just talk to us about that experience how how was MSG just how how was it how was everything there yeah it was it was a pretty incredible experience um really lucky to have have been able to cover it um obviously maybe not the result uh I was hoping for I mean I could be in Houston right now but you know what it, it was an excellent game um I don't want to be a sore loser because it really was. If you're going to go out, I'd rather it be an exciting, like almost legendary game like that. Overtime, you know, Walker forcing it. Like there were just some magical moments in that game, and I, and I know it might not be remembered in, as like the MSU great games of all time because of the outcome. But I mean, that was an excellent game. I mean, Marquise Noel, that that dude balled. That dude was yeah. balling, and and that was probably honestly one of my favorite parts of the experience was just watching him go crazy. I mean, that shot he hit 
off his back foot, the assists he did. I mean, that he was a wizard out there, and, and that's probably what I took away from the game most, honestly. Yeah, it truly was a special game and one that this team shouldn't forget, especially looking towards next year with, mm-hmm. you know, we, we've talked about before the recruiting class coming in and the two five-stars, Jeremy Fears and Xavier Booker, who played in the McDonald's All-American game. Um, and then you've got <coughs> four-star Cohen Carr who just jumps out of the gym. Like, mm-hmm. you the Breslin Center might explode next year if he if he gets one on the fast break. Mm-hmm. Um, and then four-star Garrick Normand, who, kind of like a Matt McQuaid type, will probably be four-year guy and be a very good player by the time he's a senior. But um, you've got Pierre Brooks, who recently answered the transfer portal. And looking towards next year, where at this point we're not sure if Malik Hall and Tyson Walker is kind of coming back. Maybe both of them come back. Maybe one of them comes back. Maybe none of them come back. So... But with the Pierre move, you got a feeling that at this point, if Tyson comes back, you slide Akins to the three, mm-hmm. and you have Booker, who's gonna, probably going to start at the four, and Madi at the five, and keep everything else the same. Um, but if Malik comes back, you can throw Malik in at the three or off the bench. And if both of them come back, Malik can come off the bench, and Akins can play at the three. So you've got a lot of options um, with Pierre Brooks transferring, kind of opening up for guys to return. And... I mean, we, we talked about this on the way here that Izzo doesn't love the portal, but he's not afraid to go in and get guys like we saw with Joey Walker, or excuse me, Joey Hauser and Tyson Walker and guys like that. So, I mean, he likes to su- we've seen that he likes to supplement his team from the portal. And with um, a guy like Pierre who is going to most likely, if he stuck, stuck with everything that was going on, take a uh, next step and become a bigger part of the team next year, who will not be here. So... It'll be interesting to see how Izzo kind of attacks the portal compared to if uh, Walker and Hauser come back. Yeah, I'm, I'm honestly pretty disappointed um, about Pierre. Um, I mean, let's think back to the uh, Phil Knight Invitational. He scored uh, two back-to-back career highs, 15 points against Oregon, then 15 against uh, Portland. I mean, when he was at his best, he was using that big body, a really athletic frame, and he was defending well, and he was hitting shots at the corners. I mean, at his best, this guy really could have been productive, and it just, as the season progressed, it just never really seemed like a fit. I think you and I, everyone in the office was calling it that he was going to be the first to transfer. So it's it's disappointing, but it's it's honestly probably better for both parties, just seeing as how the season progressed. But, yeah, I you mentioned it there. I. I know Izzo has said he doesn't like the portal, and and I think that's true, but he's also not stupid. I mean, Joey Hauser and Tyson Walker were his best players this year. Um, Well, mostly. Um, And, I, you know, I think he's going to take a look at that, and he might go snag a wing. He might, you know, I I think the portal is open to him. Um, It might not be a huge piece, because like you said, I I think if Tyson comes back and Malik comes back, you have a pretty solid lineup. You have uh, Hogard, Tyson, Akins, Booker and, and Sissoko, that seems like a pretty comfortable starting five. Um, but let's say those guys don't come back, I think you have to go to the portal at that point. So it's it's going to be interesting to see how he approaches it, but there's still some chips that need to fall for me to be really comfortable with with making a projection about next year's. Yeah, and then going back to what you said about uh, Pierre, and just like you said, he had those very promising games in the PK-80 in the, before the Big Ten play started, and he had some, some decent outings, but... Um, you know, he got that he got those minutes in the early part of the season because of the Malik Hall injury. Mm-hmm. And then obviously with college players, especially um, Pierre's game relies on, you know, his shooting and how hot he stays because whenever he got on the floor, it seemed like whenever he touched the ball, he would shoot it. Mm-hmm. Um, 
But with Malik Hall, you know, being in and out of the lineup, inconsistently giving Pierre minutes and then not giving Pierre minutes kind of might have been um, detrimental detrimental to his progression this season. And I understand the move, and I agree that I think that it's kind of beneficial for both parties because um, Pierre's defense obviously wasn't up to speed with how the other guys were where Izzo wanted it because Izzo, obviously, you get on the court at MSU because you can play defense. We saw that, obviously, Mm -hmm. with Trey Holloman and guys like that. Um, So it's just, it's kind of a shame to see him go. Um, We wish him all the best. and But I'm sure he'll end up somewhere like, I I really have a feeling he could make his way to like a program like Oakland. Yep. And then, you know, he was a former four-star, former Mr. Basketball in the state of Michigan. Like, he can, he can score. Like, he can hoop. And, and he's got a good athletic profile, too. I yeah, mean, that, he's, he's like, got a big frame. He's built like a linebacker. Yep. Like he's 6'6", six, six, got a lot of, you know, got a lot of muscle. Um, slimmed down a little bit last year um, to, you know, give him some speed for to get, it, you know, more playing time in the Big Ten. But obviously the athletes in the Big Ten are just, just different. Um, but, I mean, I could really see him ending up at Oakland and, you know, getting his – 15 to 20 shots a game, mm-hmm. putting up, you know, 25 points a night. So I I think that maybe just he's just searching for a better fit. And, I mean, just with everybody coming in next year, just how deep this can, team is going to be, there wasn't going to be a lot of minutes for everyone. So yep. um, it'll be next year will be interesting to see where he lands up and just where kind of how it shapes up because I really want to see – I feel like this team was more effective offensively when um, Malik Hall was not on the floor because I feel like he would slow the game down. But on defense, he had that, you know, he would get rebounds. Mm-hmm. And this team this year needed a guy like that to go and get rebounds. But next year you've got, you know, Cooper's going to be better. Kohler's going to be better. Mahdi's going to be better. Booker's coming, and he's 6'11". And Cohen Carr, you know, he, he seems like a guy who's just going to come in and get and grab every single rebound and dunk the ball all the time. Um, and you've got guys coming back like, AJ, who could be more aggressive on the boards and players like that. So, I mean, I feel like in comparison with Malik Hall and Tyson Walker from watching it from the sideline, I feel like that Tyson would be the better fit to come back. Um, But I feel like I felt the same way about Joey last year when he didn't really understand. I feel like he didn't have the correct grasp of his role until this year, and he really started to, you know, break through. So, I mean... Malik to me could pull could be the same way he could be come back 100% healthy and be that kind of game-changing player that he could be and that leader that we know he can be and I mean having him and Tyson back even though it might take away minutes from guys like Fears or Holloman um, and hinder the development just a little bit I feel like it could be it's more beneficial um, if this team which I definitely believe it can can is going to try to make you know that final four national championship push yeah, uh, Malik Hall uh, coming off the bench and just being an amazing piece defending. Like you said, offensively, he maybe doesn't is not as strong as some of the other guys were in the lineup, but if he's a guy coming off the bench for you defensively and is guarding the perimeter, I mean, he did. He was one of the top two or three defenders on the team, I'd say, this year. And he was a captain, so yeah. it's like his voice is just, just that alone is big enough, you know, as yep. a, a, on its own. Yeah, so he's, he's a guy I think would benefit from another year coming back. I think MSU would benefit, but like you said, I think, I mean, Tyson's the bigger guy. That, and he comes back, that that changes the, this program next year. Yeah, he's the the guy you call on to hit that final shot. And I think that next year he'll, even though like we saw from last year where he was kind of timid to shoot the ball and w- wanted to play more pass first, and now he 
learned how to share the floor with AJ effectively and became that guy that, you know, that shot maker. And it seemed like in the in, we saw him get stripped in the final moments against or by Noel in the Kansas State game, but it seemed like this year um, he's not afraid to take that final shot, but now I feel like next year it's like it's either going to be, you know, AJ taking over down the stretch with, you know, just driving and putting the ball in, in the hoop from two feet away or Tyson just Tyson finally realizing that, you know, it's his game, it's his shot, giving the ball at the last second, he's your closer. Um, so it's definitely going to be, regardless of what happens, transfer portal or not, Malik Hall coming back, Tyson Walker coming back, this team is going to be very solid, and it's going to be very exciting. But that's about it for the time we have today. Thanks again, Alex, for coming back. It was great to have you back on here. It's good to be here. And we will see you next Wednesday. Bella will be back. So thanks for, you know, dealing with me one more time. I appreciate it. Have a good one. Peace.